Hey there, and welcome to Silo Busting, an EPAM Continuum podcast. I'm your host, Macy Donaway. Times you might have noticed are hard. Over the past months, numerous industries have suffered tremendously, retail in particular. Millions of employees have been furloughed or laid off. Many stores have been shuttered, and more will likely follow suit. Yes, we're seeing the slow, staggered return of retail, but there will surely be missteps and detours as we jog into the next normal. Speaking of which, what will the next normal be in the post-COVID world? Not only for business owners and employees who've made breathtaking, pandemic-inspired adjustments, but also for consumers, many of whom are dreading human contact, shared surfaces, neighborly sneezes, and the potentially infected grocery bag. Will they ever want to go back to physical retail locations? Today, our master of content and conversation, Ken Gordon, posed such questions to two esteemed gentlemen, Jit Agarwal, VP of Enterprise Products for EPAM, and Buck Sleeper, Director of Restaurant and Retail Innovation at EPAM Continuum. Both have long studied how and why we purchase things, the impact of said purchases on businesses and their employees, and how technology can help or hinder the entire shopping experience. They share how all of these pieces are coming into play as we give lockdown the slip. Listen as they proffer advice for those who are finally headed back to the mall. Tune in now. It's been an extremely chaotic period for retail recently. Um, what's your general sense of the the mood in retail right now? Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, I can, Ken. Um, I, I think the general mood in retail is, is, especially at this time, when we're looking at about three months into the phenomenon in, in, the, in the June timeframe, is cautiously optimistic. Um, the some of and, and many of the geographies, at least as far as the states go, um, have have seen a reduction in, if not a total removal of, of some of the, the stay-at-home orders and, and the ability for um, people to go out and about and do their business. And then, in addition to that, uh, seeing a level of, of openness in terms of allowing access to retail, um, maybe not in the, the business as usual or the, the pre-COVID days type of access, but at least more than in a permanent lockdown where, where nothing was open and no access was available. So I would say my perception is generally cautiously optimistic. Uh, Buck, your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, I, I can agree with that, although I think uh, I would characterize it as more um, optimistically cautious. I think that over the last three months, um, we have uh, had a, a whole bunch of new conversations around um, what retail is, um, how and why we purchase things, and what is the impact of uh, purchasing things on businesses and um, the employees that, that work within them. So I think that caution is going to be the, um, the number one thing as we uh, look to getting back into stores as things start to reopen. Uh, that sounds about right to me. Um, Jit, you recently wrote that retail is an intrinsically social business, right? And it's 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 clear that social distancing itself is 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 a legitimate threat to retailers because it it keeps people out of stores and it keeps customers and employees the, the few who do get in 
uh, apart. What what should brands be focusing in on as they uh, welcome people back into their stores in this kind of socially distant age? You bet, Ken. You're, you're absolutely right. I I think with the lockdown for a, a business like retail, which obviously intrinsically is very social in nature, it, it you know was an existential threat in in many levels, right? And 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 in fact, um, given what we're seeing with some some retailers. That existential threat, uh, unfortunately, led to the demise of, of a few of them, uh, or the pending demise. So I, I think that's absolutely correct. That 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 is the fundamental nature. Retailers, when they're thinking about reopening and and in that in that point in the journey, um, they really need to think about their people first and foremost, because um, the the current pandemic is definitely a social phenomenon, health phenomenon, people oriented phenomenon at first and foremost. And so when they think about their people, they need to think about their employees, um, and their customers, um, in terms of what's the, how their employees feel safe about coming into work and, and opening the stores and, and what kind of confidence could they have to be a part of that, that, that retail enterprise successfully without, uh, you know, earning a livelihood without endangering their life. Right. Um, and so that's a, a critical component. And then the second aspect of it is when it comes to people are their customers. What how will customers feel comfortable coming into a store? What are the 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 you know, the, the ability to help ensure that higher level of confidence and safety and health security, whether it's temperature checks at the door or availability of hand sanitizer or cleaning schedules for the facilities. Right. All those things to kind of create that. And, and have that true confidence that you're going to have a good and safe experience in the retail establishment if you're a customer. So I think the people aspect of, uh, of that, the social aspect, is super important. Buck, did you have anything to add to that? that people yeah, to, I think one of the, think yeah, one of the things that I'm really interested um, in seeing as, as retail begins to reopen is how we can be doing all of those things that um, Jitin, you're talking about, but in a branded way. Um, so that the experience they're having is not just um, safe, but it feels uh, actually uh, on brand and, and additive to the experience they're having. Um, there's a lot of great examples uh, around this uh, in the restaurant space right now, which has um, been open a little bit longer than retail, um, including one I've recently seen at a, a restaurant called the Inn at Little Washington, um, where uh, instead of uh, xing out some of the tables where where patrons can't sit. They've they filled them with um, extremely well appointed and well dressed mannequins, uh, which adds to the the kind of the vibe and the experience. Um, so while it's a, it's a little weird to uh, to sit next to a mannequin, um, I think I'd, I'd I'd prefer that at this moment um, than sitting next to an empty seat. So I'm I'm very uh, interested to see how uh, those brands and those quirks and those expressions come to life in retail. Well, and Buck, just to add to that, we, we saw a whole movie where Tom Hanks uh, went through the entire movie with the ball, right? Um, so, you know, if, if that can happen, then I think mannequins are a lot better than empty space. I was talking with someone about that the other day, and they called it the FedEx movie. The FedEx movie. I was like, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, we, you know, where is that? There is that uh, analogy, right? Uh, uh, you know, entropy hates a void, right? You, you need to fill it. So I think that's a great idea. I hadn't heard of that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, Back we, to you, Ken. We, it may be that volleyball sales are, are through the roof. <laughs> right. 
Uh, speaking of filling voids, you know, and people aren't shopping and haven't been shopping in stores for quite a while, but they are shopping in quite a bit and quite more in their homes, right? And so, Buck, for a long time, you've been talking about retail, retail IRL and this idea of the mixture of digital and physical for retail. What I was thinking about was what is what is what is customer experience for retail mean when brick and mortar is suddenly a house and apartment? And for, for you, Jed, I was thinking, what might this mean uh, for, for retail business models? And sort of how do we look at, uh, we still have the brick and mortar, but instead of being um, this sort of store environment, it's the home environment. How does that change things, guys? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, often when we talk about e-commerce, we look at that that experience as happening um, up until the moment of purchase, and then and then something else takes over. But uh, something that I've been paying uh, very special attention to uh, in the past few months um, is also the experience you get when the package arrives at your door. Uh, that can be how easy it is to return a package. That can be the quality um, of the packing materials themselves. So one of the things that um, we're starting to look into is what is that end-to-end digital physical experience uh, that perhaps begins uh, at an Instagram post um, uh, pushes you out to uh, a bespoke uh, uh, web page or, or e-commerce store, um, and then finishes when you actually get that box. So that unboxing experience um, now, unfortunately, has uh, or maybe fortunately um, has all of the pressures of brick and mortar uh, uh, right at that moment. Cool, cool. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to add. You know, if if you think about um, what the retailers are are now having to to address with with the pandemic there there are two things that are being really affected one is the the platforms right um many of them have seen a large pivot towards their digital or online um and in fact a few have decided they're going to go online permanently and 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 you know do away with their their physical uh presence uh locations and so that that pivot has then meant that businesses and and and, and the entire organizations have had to re-examine their investments and their ability to scale and support the kinds of experiences that they had in digital um, and what the kind of uh, enablement they have for their digital business. They might have actually not necessarily even invested in digital as a primary channel, more as a tertiary one, but now suddenly with the pandemic, it has become their primary channel. And so they need to pivot and be able to support that. The second thing I would say is, as you pointed out, the places that they operate in have changed, right? They've gone from a retail establishment where they invited people to now perhaps it just being a place you go to pick things up for curbside pickup mm-hmm. um, or it just be a, a warehouse. It's not even really a retail place where people come to anymore. It's where goods are stored and then then sent on back to or forwarded to consumers. So I think that, that both of those phenomenons, the the really burgeoning of digital as a primary channel and the perhaps rethinking of their spaces, their physical places as being maybe different purposes than, than what they had traditionally um, might really be some phenomenons that they're thinking about, that they're struggling with, that they're challenged with. Um, and, and fundamentally the new pivot, the next normal is, is likely not going to be a, a complete reversion back to the old normal. And so subsequently, what does that then mean? How important will online or digital be to the business uh, moving forward? Uh, is it going to be like a third of your business or more? Um, and then how do you support that? And then how do you then repurpose your physical spaces to optimize their their value so that you're not leaving a lot of dead space and no value? So that those are some of the thoughts I had there, Ken. Cool. 
Cool. Now you both, both of you guys have written about supply chains. And one of the things we've, we've, we've come to realize during the pandemic is, is how these are much more brittle than we realized. Jit, in one of your pieces, you talked about the many steps companies should be taking and rethinking um, their supply chains. Have you seen, since the, you published that, much evidence of retail uh, making legitimate change in terms of uh, their, their practice in dealing with supply chains? Uh, is there anybody we could talk to, any uh, representative retail folks who've done a, a good job of rethinking this? Sure, Ken. Um, I, I think it's a it's an absolute must have, right? So I don't think it's even really a choice mm-hmm. for a retail or really any industry to to not have reconsidered and reconstituted their supply chain. So so I think without without a doubt, everybody is doing it at some level, right? Some might be doing it more uh, deeply and invasively, and others might be just doing it uh, peripherally. But everybody is adjusting it, and and in terms of the the changes that they're making, the the obvious short-term changes that they've done is to not only understand their supply chain, which maybe perhaps they didn't, uh, but now to then assess where they they have the ability to um, see the weaknesses in those supply chains and then develop a more agile architecture or approach to their supply chain so that they can ensure that they're actually developing um, and delivering the solutions that they need, developing those, those those weak points and delivering the solutions they need in market. And then obviously midterm, they're thinking about how do, how do you streamline? And that's what's happening now when they're reopening and they're seeing the demand, they're seeing customers come in and, and products sell through, especially with online, and then be able to optimize that for a go forward. Obviously, long term, I think that story is still uh, to be told. Um, and and there, that is very much a work in progress as to what does this then mean for their supply chain um, in the next normal and how they pivot to succeed. Hmm. Have, have yeah. either of you? Oh, and, I, and I would just build on that, that I think um, as individuals, consumers are looking uh, inward at their own supply chain. They're looking at their own watershed of the, the goods and, and, and services that they receive. Um, and they're they're wondering if there are ways that they can be a little bit more off the grid, uh, whether that's uh, planting a, a victory garden um, or it's uh, going to uh, reusables and uh, when you can't get a paper towel. Um, but I think consumers in general are um, looking for greater resiliency. They're looking for greater self-sufficiency. And um, I think that retailers, rather than uh, uh, be threatened by this and see this as a, as a, as a as a threat to their own um, their own bottom line, um, it's something to really uh, lean into and, and help support that behavior. Yeah, um, and speaking of behavior change, uh, we recently published on the EPAM Solutions Hub page something called guidelines. And uh, Buck, you had a leading hand in this, uh, and it is a toolkit to help business owners and operators create visual cues to direct foot traffic quickly and with readily available tools and materials. Can you can you tell us a little bit about help, how this will help uh, retail reopen? And what do you see as some of the best use cases here for, for guidelines? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so guidelines um, is, a, is a DIY kit for um, businesses of all types to help uh, customers and employees um, maintain social distancing within, within spaces that were never meant to, uh, to support social distancing. So that's um, a store or a doctor's office or a, or a grocery store. Um, and essentially it's a, it's a set of five very basic, uh, floor markings, um, that can be created, uh, with minimal resources. So tape or paint. Um, and the purpose is to create a really clear mode of interacting with space and with people. Um, 
I think one of the biggest barriers uh, that we're going to have in terms of uh, consumer confidence when we get back is actually not uh, the employees or um, sort of understanding how we should uh, negotiate a space as individuals, um, but it's it's feeling comfortable negotiating a space as crowds. So the purpose of guidelines is to is to help everyone um, at least follow a similar set of rules, uh, so that uh, we can be as confident as possible when, when we uh, uh, get into spaces that are reopening. That's pretty cool. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about touch screens. I know Jit, you you you're very interested in in touch screens, the present and future thereof. And I was wondering, is there any place in our near or long term retail future for the touch screen? And if not, what's going to take his place? And are there any promising uh, tech currently being tried out to sort of usurp touchscreen's um, prominent place in the retail yep. world? That, you're absolutely right, Ken. I, I think touchscreens are an area where a lot of retailers, um, you know, McDonald's to name one, I don't know if it's a retailer or restaurant, but regardless, um, have made a lot of investment into I know that other retailers have as well to create really engaging experiences. And, and you know, fundamentally, they are that, right? They, they are pretty engaging experiences when you can go to a shoe store or, or to another store and, and see what models there are and do a 360 view and look at different colors and, and all sorts of capabilities. I know that's available in, in some, of the, uh, some of the other uh, stores out there, um, not to name names. But anyways, the, the point is, that is a huge part of what a lot of retailers have done. However, in this pandemic era and specifically in the post-pandemic era, meaning when, once we're, everybody's out and really going out there, um, touchscreens have, have not necessarily going to be viewed the same way. Um, in fact, if you read what McDonald's has recently published, they're requiring the screening of cleaning of touchscreens after every use, um, which is a way to try to preserve that investment as much as possible. But, but still, I think there will be a great deal of reluctance of people to want to interact with touchscreens just because of the, the, the very real possibility uh, of, of contracting um, the you know the virus as a result of of interaction with touchscreen. So I think in the short term there will be uh, a, a reversion to using or a conversion to using mobile. And imagine if you will that same McDonald's ordering app instead of being on a kiosk that everybody touches now is a mobile app that is in your phone that's your device. And subsequently because it's in your device your pocket you feel comfortable and safe interacting with it. And so are willing to do that. So I'd expect that. Many, if not all, of the experiences that happen today via touchscreen and retail would find a, a, a an analogy or an analog in phone apps, mobile apps, or other such personal devices, um, so that they can take advantage of the investment, move it to a different form factor, but still have that that ultimately end experience. Right? I mean, imagine if you will for a moment in 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 retail, if you could go in, order your goods, and and find everything and, and, and find a pickup or even a drop-off to where you didn't have to go in. Long-term, I think there's going to be more use of you know AR, VR, and other alternative reality-type technologies, whether it's the ability to try on goods with, uh, with the projection of what those, those, those shirts or pants would look like on you, as I know some retailers are doing, mm-hmm. or the ability to have uh, lenses that or, or a projection using, again, your mobile device of what you could look at a store and you could get information through QR codes and other technologies on your devices. So the ability to make it touchless as an experience and the ability to make it still real, visceral, a engaging experience, that will be the pivot that survives in the long run with regards to um, some of these technologies in retail. 
Yeah, Buck, I know your retail group has been looking a bit into uh, touchless stuff. Does this resonate with you, what you're saying? It does. I think that um, the biggest concern for me is about access to technology. I, I agree that um, short-term and maybe even long-term, um, uh, the touchscreen on our phone is is our best bet for creating not only a safe experience, but but the, the that experience that's most personal and most on our terms um, so that we're not just using the kiosk when we walk into uh, into a restaurant or a store, um, but we're doing it on the train or or outside in the sun or or in the in the place of our choosing. Um, so uh, I'm not sure what the the short term solution is, um, uh, whether that's uh, better screening or everyone carries a, a stylus with them or something like that. But um, I have a I have a real concern for uh, making um, making it clear that these technologies need to be uh, broadly accessible uh, uh, as they get used in retail. For me, one of the big heroes and for a lot of people of the uh, pandemic is curbside delivery. And it's emerged mm-hmm. as a great trend um, of COVID-19. Um, are there any others you've noticed that you think have a chance of sticking around once, once we actually finally get out of lockdown and fully uh, re-enter the world? Yeah, Ken, I was thinking about this. I, I think uh, to build a little bit on what uh, was said earlier, I think the meta trends that are, are going to come out of this that are going to be really important and will we'll shift brands and shift the, the landscape of the marketplace are going to be those that, that focus around um, really helping the, the, the people with, uh, with, with their, you know, their, their pain points and their problems that we've talked about. And, and that's going to come from, that's going to come from things like, you know, help creating a better facility, cleaner, more conscious, more, uh, aware of what it's doing, how it's impacting the environment, how the environment is impacting it, uh, is going to be super important. Things that create better partner ecosystems. So how do retailers partner with other, uh, folks in their, in and around them in their organization? Like, for example, or in their geography, for example, a, a grocery store. You know, it creates an opportunity for restaurateurs to come in to showcase the dishes which sells the grocery products, but also promotes that 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 rest that local rest artesian restaurateur, or whether it's local cooking classes or local experiences and 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 supporting soup kitchens and churches and other local areas. That kind of ecosystem organizations that come out of this pandemic, having strengthened that that ecosystem, the partner network that yeah. that really is the lifeblood of of their their local community or local region, I think are going to come out stronger. So those kind of meta trends, taking advantage of the platform and technologies, taking advantage of caring for and servicing the people as, 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 as Buck pointed out. And last but not least, figuring out how they can extend their ecosystem to bring in all the partners and others who can make, you know, better together story. I think those are the brands and the businesses that will be most successful when we come out of this pandemic. It sounds pretty good to me. Buck, you, you think anything else to add to that? I think one of the things that's been enormously helpful, um, uh, in particular with, with grocery and pharmacy, have been dedicated hours uh, for seniors or, or people who are at, at, at greater risk. Um, we're seeing those uh, frequently mm-hmm. in the morning um, when cleaning's just been done and, and, uh, and fewer people uh, with fewer people in the store. So um, I think that, uh, you know, speaking for my, my 94-year-old grandmother, um, who has really appreciated these, uh, <laughs> these hours, um, yeah. that's something that I hope sticks around. Uh, the other thing that I hope sticks around is 
the focus on workers um, and just how uh, essential the people that um, work in and support the this industry are. So um, I've uh, I've been been glad to see that focus and and hope to see it continue. That is awesome. And finally, now that we're starting to reopen up. Have you guys gone shopping to any actual stores yet? And if so, what was that experience like? I have actually, and I went last weekend um, and I went to a couple of places. Um, I went to um, a, a one of those uh, post office boxes that I have where I hadn't been in quite some time and had a, a very large uh, stock of stuff. And it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, everybody was wearing face masks, myself included. They had uh, the, the the guide that Buck had put out there. I don't know if they'd seen his guide or just came up with it on themselves, but they'd certainly had the the, the places marked out where people should should uh, stay uh, stand. Um, they had all of the pieces in place, um, you know, for everybody to have a good experience. They had hand sanitizer at the door at several places. I saw five or six bottles, and this is a very small square footage store. Maybe you know, maybe like eight hundred square feet or something like that. Not not tremendously huge. Um, they had two people who were working, um, who I noticed, and I don't know if they just did this cause they were choreographed or not, but never seemed to be closer than six feet apart or closer. Um, and again, I think that, that I'm not sure where that came from, but that was the reality. So I, I, I found it to be a very good and, and clean and safe and, and, you know, a, a comfortable experience. Um, really no huge difference other than the PPE, the physical pr- protective uh, equipment, and some of the distancing, but but really business as usual. And if it continues like this, then I would think that the return to normal could be more rapid than than not. That's encouraging. And Jit and I had a very similar experience in that I um, I went to a big box retailer over the weekend and also witnessed business as usual. Um, and I got to say, it totally freaked me out. And I'll admit, I made it about 10 feet in the door, uh, turned around. Um, drove home and completed my my purchase online. So um, the store may be ready to to reopen, but I'm I'm not ready for it. A big thank you to Ken, Jit, and Buck for sharing their expertise and advice as we stream our way toward the next normal of retail. Whether you're making a beeline for your favorite stores or cautiously waiting to see what happens first. We're here to help ensure a pleasant experience no matter how you shop. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Siloed.